especially with daily encouragement. How are you guys? I'm like, what day is it today? When this episode drops this week, you guys, I know we're into February now. It looks like it's going to be February 4th. Man, I'm sorry, guys, but this, this time is just flying by. It's unreal. So, second month into the new year. You guys, I hope you're getting some value out of the life coaching series that I'm attempting to do. You guys, I'm doing my absolute best to share with you things that the Lord has used in my life to bring me to this place, you guys. I never thought I would ever be doing a podcast in my life. I never thought that I would be have enough courage and confidence to share my life with other people and even share my process, right? Um, but, you know, the Lord's been reminding me over and over again that the only validation I need is inside of me. And it's the same thing for you guys. You don't need permission to, what's the word, um, validate your own journey of you being in bondage to freedom. You're the only one, you and the Lord, at the end of the day, that knows really where you were and how far you've come. And I know that within myself. And so um, I just hope that, you know, you guys can get some value out of it. It's not just about my journey. This is about me just trying to share it with you guys so you can relate and hopefully take some nuggets out of it for yourself it to your life and just be able to go so much further than you ever have, whether it just be healing in your life, you know, just confidence, uh, finding out your, you know, build, finding your identity, who you are, you know, and your character, integrating God's grace into your life, um, giving your, you know, giving yourself compassion, other people, you know, um, new opportunities in your life for however God wants to use your life. As I share you guys, and I'm realizing more and more as you get healed in your life, You are not even aware of the possibilities of the things that can happen in your life because you're so buried underneath of pain and burden and stress and anxiety and all those things that get us down, doubt, all those things. Sometimes they become an identity for people. And so their real identity, who they're made, who God's made them to be and his grace, all that is buried underneath. And so now it's like, you know, God invites us. He says, break up the unplowed ground. It's time to seek the Lord. And so, you know, we get the shovel. He's there with us. We start digging and he starts revealing to us, you know, all these different things. He, God starts uh, helping us understand, you know, these these things that we have in our life, these treasures that are in our life, these gifts that he's put inside of us, these opportunities, these possibilities, these doors he's going to open that you would never even comprehend, you guys. And so I want you guys to experience that in your life. I'm definitely experiencing that in my own life right now, which is the different things that are happening in my life, you guys, doing this podcast, looking forward to, you know, creating some online courses in the future, public speaking, traveling. I, You guys, I have no idea, honestly, really what the Lord has in store. And I want you guys, though, to be able to kind of be on your seat in that way. Like, you know what, God, I'm confident and I'm anticipating for you to do good things in my life. The day you would wake up and expect God to do good. I love that scripture in Proverbs that says, Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning, Lord, you know, I pour out my heart and wait in expectation. So you guys, are you expecting God to show up in your life today? You know, if not, get that confronted by the grace of God. God was still there with you before you even acknowledged him in your life, right? He, he drew you in by the sin that was in your life, right? It wasn't by our goodness, but it was us recognizing the outcomes in our life. And the things that weigh us down, the things that separate us from him and and from ourselves and from each other, right? Sometimes we can be our own worst enemy, you guys. We can, you know, we can criticize ourselves for realizing our shortcomings, you guys. You know, I've realized some things about myself over the weekend that were very, very difficult for me. 
But I was like, Lord, thank you for this lesson. And I'm sure you guys, I'm going to have an opportunity to share all of that with you. That's a whole nother podcast. But being appreciative of the lessons I'm learning right now in my life, because I know that they are going to play a, a major piece in the future for me. So I'm like, you know what, God, you give grace to the humble. So you guys, it's okay to be humble in this process. It's okay to accept where you're at. It's okay to ask God for more grace to live and rely on the love he has for you. You know, especially as you're in this healing journey and, and transformation, it is not an easy journey, you guys, but it's so worth it. And um, it's, it's truly amazing, you guys. I'm super excited to see what the Lord is going to do in my life. And I, I hope you guys are excited to see what he's going to do in yours. So before we get into it, let's go ahead and pray really quick, you guys. And then we're going to talk about the rest of the schemas that I mentioned yesterday. Those ingrained thought patterns that were developed when we were children um, that was in response to some type of, you know, negative stimulus, right? Whether it be some type of abuse, um, emotional abuse, whether it's people calling you names, being critical, um, you know, stuff like that. Things that sin against your love, so to speak, as a child, right? You develop defenses in yourself to protect yourself from that thought patterns, beliefs as a result of those types of things that have happened to us. And so, you know, I wasn't planning on putting this in the podcast, but this book that I've been reading, Emotional Alchemy. Oh man, she shed so much light on some things, you guys. And I want to share it with you because I really believe it's relevant. There's another scripture, you guys. I've heard this before a few years ago, that the enemy really wounds us when we're children. I forget, somewhere in Proverbs, he sows those seeds when we're young or something. I don't remember where it's at, you guys. I'm going to be looking it up. But it's really interesting because a lot of the things that we struggle with as adults and the insecurities we have and the filters we filter our life through, they were all formed when we were children. Right. When you have no understanding, when you're when, you know, you come into this world, this blank slate and you, you know, everything, you have all these possibilities and and all these things. And then as you go on, you have these things happen to you and then they keep happening and then they keep happening again and again. And then they don't stop happening. And so you say this must be true. Right. And so we have to realize that our truth and then, our you know, our perception, though, that is true for a time. We don't have to live in that our whole life, you guys. And so anyway. We're going to get into the rest of those schemas today, you guys, those thought patterns. I'm going to share them with you, but we're going to do that right after we pray. So let's get into prayer. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you so much, Lord, for revealing these things to us through all these people, God. I really, really believe, Lord, that other people are your grace in its various forms. God, there are so many people out there who have, you know, endured so many horrific things, you know, been abused, been, you know, all these things that, Lord, we deal with the knowledge of good and evil. There's so much evil in this world and it hurts us and it impacts us and it affects us. And I thank you, God, for the people that have opened themselves up to you and opened themselves up to different ways of thinking, God. And you have given them knowledge and understanding on these things so we can shed light on our own lives. Lord, we need healing. And we know that you're going to use other people. You're going to use your spirit in us, God, to give us clarity. And you're going to use other people as resources to pour into. So God, help us, Lord, to be open to your grace that you have for us, God, you know, grace within ourselves and grace through the people that you're going to bring into our life through the different perspectives that we need to be healed, God. So I just pray that you would open up our hearts, Lord, to these new things that you're bringing in, um, that we can get healed, Lord, integrate this healing, your love and your grace, live and rely on it and be able to, um, move forward in the gifts that we have, Lord. Our gifts are buried underneath this pain. We need your healing, God. So we ask for it, Lord. And we ask you, as we get healed, to inspire us to who we who we are. That people would ask the question, 
God, what did you put inside of me? What talents have you given me? What gifts have you given to me that I can use and impact the world for your kingdom, Lord? So help us, Lord, to understand that. Help us to see in our lives where you have given us the most grace. Lord, that hole that we found ourselves in, that your grace just filled right in and just gave us a smooth path to walk on, God. Help us to see where this grace has come into our lives so we can give it to other people. So we thank you, Lord, for this day. Bless every single person on this podcast. I pray every single person is able to look at these things through the lens of their own life, see where they need you, apply it, God, and get massive healing and be able to unleash their gift into this world. So we love you, Lord. We thank you for this time. And we just pray all these things in Jesus' name. So yesterday, you guys, we talked about a couple schemas, fear of abandonment and deprivation. I shared with you my story behind that. And I also shared a couple things that was offered in this book that we can do to begin to heal from those things. You know, so we don't have to be uh, victims to our past. We don't have to live in the past, you guys. We can be aware of these things and how they're still impacting present relationships because those injuries that you have were not formed in the relationships that you're necessarily in right now. Right? You may be in a relationship that has hurt you, but you know, if there's if there seems to be this constant pattern of this always happens with people, then that usually that means that there's a thought process within you that you continually use that you don't even realize is controlling your life, you guys. And that was the massive revelation that I've had over the weekend too, you know, realizing these different fears, fear of abandonment, deprivation, um, and how those things alone can cause me to be a little suffocating in relationships or worry too much about other people because I do care so much and you know to a point to where I can not really know where my place is in that person's life you know especially if they haven't really given me full access in that way um you know and so anyway you guys just realizing these things if you if there's a pattern you know and if you feel like man this is always happening with people right maybe you need to start looking at how you are thinking that's maybe attracting those types of people Right. And that's a, that was a really hard thing for me, guys. I read Safe People from, from Dr. Henry Cloud, and he was talking about how we attract people into our life, even people that you're like, oh my gosh, this person is draining me. How you attracted that person. And I would be like, what the heck? I'd be so frustrated because I'm like, how did I attract these victims into my life? And then I started thinking about it, and the Lord had revealed to me that it was all those years of codependency, right? Finding my worth and helping other people and doing those things. So I attracted people like that oh you know kind of woe is me or help me or whatever i was always doing things for people especially with not even asking permission you guys i never asked if anybody wanted my help i just assumed that that's what you were supposed to do in relationships and so i would overstep boundaries like i've done all these things that should not be done in relationship you guys so don't if you're doing this there's no shame this is part of the learning curve and we've got to be able to give ourselves enough grace and compassion to face ourselves in this way, you guys. But I've done it all, and it's as humiliating as it is. God gives grace to the humble, you guys. So it's all good. We are doing nothing but going from glory to glory at this point. So anyway, we're going to talk about a couple more schemas today, you guys. Um, subjugation, mistrust, and possibly unlovability. I'm going to try to get through those three. I should be able to. I'm only 11 minutes into this podcast, so I should be able to talk about the rest of them, you guys. So let's go ahead and get into the subjugation schema. Basically, that is when you're around dominating people, all right? You don't speak up. You just go with the flow. That's kind of your mentality, okay? You are a slave to the expectations, demands of other people, 
You are subject to them. Someone else is in control of you, okay? You are not using your own will and your own mind and your own choices. You you bury those thoughts and who you are underneath someone else's and because you don't believe that you have a choice. You don't believe you have a will, you know, and you may not even realize that, but and this is how... This is how you can know also if you're sort of living in that subjugation mindset when you are subject to other people. Do you feel frustrated when other people are making the decisions and you're not speaking up? Like if you're feeling constant resentment for not being honest, you might have issues with this, you guys. I did for a very, very long time, but how it came into my life wasn't the typical dominating parent because that's what happens. Usually this is formed when you are growing up in an environment where your mom and dad are super controlling, right? They got their crap together in a sense. They pay their bills. They take care of you. The house is together. All these things are together, right? They both take care of their responsibilities, but they run over their own boundaries in a sense where they begin to intrude on their children in the way of they begin, like, especially when they're teenagers, you know, or maybe they do reverse, right? Like when they're kids, they let them do whatever they want. And then they become teenagers. They realize these kids are out of control because they never had structure while they were children. And all of a sudden they're going to hit them hard while they're grown. And it's realizing, you know, so now you're going to try to control this kid, tell them what to do, tell them what to watch, tell them what to listen to, tell them who to hang out with, tell them what to wear, tell them what to think. You are going to control someone that you don't even have control over, right? At the end of the day, we don't get to make decisions for people, even though we kind of think we can. You know, it's like this false sense, especially if no one does speak up, you think you're in control. But the truth is that person still has their own thoughts. They have their own emotions. They have their own, they have their own ways of being. God has made them into an individual like you. That person that you're raising is going to become an adult, right? And so you, but if we run over our children and become overly critical and all those kinds of things. So let me walk you guys through just a little bit. All right. So number one, you don't speak up for what you want, right? You just go with the flow, okay? We talked about how that has to do with parents who were, you know, really disconnected and, um, you know, uh, domineering people. Uh, Hold on. They seem more, okay. Um, So how can I say this too? Like maybe they're very, like they they thrive off their children's uh, accomplishments or something. So, or like they put all the, all this pressure on their children to be a certain type of way, you know, all these, um, standards and expectations without consulting the one that you're putting it on, right? You don't even ask the kid the question. I'm talking like teenagers, especially you guys, you know, um, of course they're supposed to be this age. I think it's around like, you know, nine, 10, 11, where, you know, they start to realize certain things and you have to start integrating them into this process and asking them, Hey, what do you think? You know, um, and talking to them. Right. Anyway, but, you know, it's just those parents who make all the decisions, all the thoughts, all the opinions, and they just keep the kid down. Okay. And so, um, hold on, you guys, I'm looking at my notes right here. So, okay. For me, growing up for me, you guys, I told you both my parents were alcoholics. They were, they were consistently out of control. So I got my sense of control by trying to help them deal with their issues so I could at least try to get some peace in my life. So instead of me dealing with my issues the way that I felt I needed to by talking to counselors, getting help that way, once that was introduced as a threat, 
I decided that I would just start talking to my mom and dad and trying to help them figure their crap out as a five-year-old, right? Mom and dad, what's going on? Trying to ask these big questions for them because I was, I had had so much turmoil. Well, I realized that as I became older, I was attracted to people who had their crap together, right? They were responsible. They paid their bills. They had this sense of like, you know, sort of superior, not really superior, but it was like, you knew that that person didn't need anybody to tell them what to do. Right. And so I was attracted to people like that. I'm like, wow, you, you don't need anyone to tell you what to do. You've got your crap together. You're in control. And so I would find myself attracted to those types of relationships. However, (laughs) because I did not develop the skill of speaking up, right? Getting my needs met. I talked about that fear of abandonment. Oh, if I speak up, you're going to leave. If I talk about the things I see that are hurting the relationship, you're going to leave. Or I'm going to be, um, my needs aren't going to get met in this relationship. It's too much of a burden. Um, because I had issues with speaking up with things that were hurting in a relationship. If I was going to be harmed in any more, I would, I would shut up. So if I was around very dominant people and they were abusive, I wouldn't speak up around them. I started to shut down around people like that because I was like, well, you know, they're going to hurt me or whatever, especially if they're very dominant, they can be very threatening that way. And so I wouldn't say anything. And so I had a really, really hard time uh, getting out from underneath of that. Until one day I realized how resentful I was in the process. And that's, you guys, I'm saying that's an indicator right there. You got to start paying attention to yourself. We're going to be talking about self-awareness, you guys. I don't know if it's going to be this week or next week, but we're going to start getting into that a little bit more. And, but I had to, I had to start paying attention to how I was emotionally. You guys, we're not supposed to live by our, our emotions, but they're supposed to be indicators. My indicator was Ashley, you're resentful. You're frustrated with this person. There's something going on and you ain't talking about it. Why is that? Why are you being so silent about this? Okay. So I had to start paying attention to that type of thing that I was carrying. And so, um, I was just trying to look on here. If I'm trying to think of what she talked about, um, as far as getting out from underneath of that, let me see if I can find it really quick. Let me see what her perspective is. So I'm like, what would I say about that? What would I tell somebody who has issues with that, right? Who has issues with living underneath um, the opinions and, you know, uh, who lives underneath the mercy of other people like that? You know, what would I say? I would tell them that they need to obviously take full responsibility for how they're feeling and, you know, um, you know, start to figure out, okay, what's what is, what's the really deeper issue here, right? Like, like for me, it was realizing that, you know, I had other things that I needed to deal with first, right? As far as learning how to communicate what I needed in self-relationship and in, in relationships, learning to establish boundaries. That was another big thing. So I think that there's other things that are tied to this, this one in particular, um, as far as getting out from underneath of it, I think you need to establish boundaries first. You need to figure out what your lane is and what someone else's lane is. And you need to be intentional about realizing how much you not communicating your needs with other people is hurting you. And, you know, ask God to give you the grace to do that. Right. And, uh, you know, whether, you know, because maybe you weren't getting your needs met in childhood, but maybe you're in relationships now, like maybe with a friend or a spouse where you can practice that. Right. So not living in that sort of past mentality. So that's what I would say. I would say, you know, do you have boundaries in your life? Um, do you know what you're responsible for and why are you giving the, you know, control of your life over to people like that? And 
um, you know, just taking full responsibility for your needs as well. And uh, being, a- being able to practice that in relationships. So, let me see really quick, you guys. I just opened up to this book to see if she kind of had a had any insights as far as what we can apply in our lives. And so, oh, she says you need to get in touch with your resentment and frustration of being controlled. Bam. I, I would already kind of said that. Um, you need to assert your own wishes and needs. Okay. Bam. So that's, that's it, you guys. Cool. I have the textbook answer for that. <laughs> but for real, you got to get in touch with yourself. Ask you guys, one of the number one books that God brought into my life was Boundaries. I had to kind of learn what my lane was, what somebody else's was. And then I had to start learning. I started learning about codependence. Um, I had no idea what that was. Um, I found out that it was when you're basically your emotional well-being is tied to somebody else. And mine was as a child, right? If I do this for my parents, I will feel better. So when your identity and your well-being is tied to whether someone else is happy or not happy, you know you're uh, a codependent. All right, so we're starting to recover those things and acknowledging those things and beginning to take the steps necessary. All right, so that is the issue with the subjugation schema that she mentioned in that book, Emotional Alchemy, you guys. So the next one we're going to talk about is mistrust schema. This one occurs when someone is emotionally, physically, or sexually abused by their closest relationships, by whoever is raising you as a child. Okay, were they physically abusive, like severe punishment? You know what I mean, like out of control anger and rage. You know, there was no um, warning or there was no structure, there was no instruction, uh, there was none of that. Right? It was just wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, beat the crap out of you, whatever, scream, yell, you know, uh, whatever. I, I went through that as a child, you guys. My mom's boyfriends, you know, they would be out of control, and I remember being so mad at my mom, like, why are you not doing anything about this? You know, um, but anyway, guys, I'm sure she had her own little fears with that. Why she didn't, you know, what am I going to do? I don't know. I, I, I never really asked my mom that. And so who knows? I mean, I can make assessments myself, but anyway, um, so when you're physically abused, severe punishment growing up, you know, just way out of line, you know, uh, screaming, like I said, screaming, yelling. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with spanking. I think there's, that's appropriate. But if you're yelling and you're going, what? You know, you're just super angry. If you're in rage, don't even try to don't even try to discipline your kid at that point. You need to go take a timeout, like for real. You need to chill, okay? You got no business trying to instruct a child when you can't even instruct yourself, right? If you can't bring yourself down to an emotional level where you're calm and you can be like the Lord in the way of, hey, what's going on here? Who told you that? How are we going to handle this problem, right? You know, you might have to give a, a three-year-old a swat on the butt. But if, and as long as, as long as you can do that with respect and self-control and, you know, where you've got a good head on your shoulders, but if you're raging and you're screaming and you're yelling, don't even bother because all you're going to do is take all that out on your kid. And at that point, you've got to ask yourself, what even got you to that point? Right. A lot of times parents are those threatening, repeating parents. They say one thing, but they don't follow through with what they say. And so the kid sees that the parent isn't consistent and they continue and then you're all of a sudden mad. It's like, why aren't you mad about your inconsistency? That's that's much easier to deal with than it is to try to just deal with this kid. It's like, deal with your inconsistencies. Deal with your not following through with what you say. And then just see what happens with the children. They will follow your lead, right? But being a consistent parent over and over again takes a lot of self-discipline, you guys. And so I would highly encourage you in that way too. You know, because um, I know parenting is not an easy thing, you guys. 
Um, I have seven children as well. I've had to learn some really hard lessons over the years and really just hold myself accountable. You know, um, like, you know what, Lord, you watch me every day with these children and I want to honor my children in that way, like be respectful to them that they're other human beings and I also want to honor you. So give me instruction that I can lead these children in, in a way to where, you know, there is no trauma going on like that. All right. So just physical, severe punishment, just way out of, way out of line. Um, emotional. What does that mean? Hypercritical. She talked about, you know, just making nasty remarks to your kids or just super, just demeaning, right? I um, mean, she was saying a lot of, sometimes even with this, you don't even have to say something to your kid. It's just the way you're acting towards them, right? Got to give them the, the evil eye or, um, you know, just like uh, being really critical of them. Why are you wearing that? Why are you doing that? Nah, 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 right? And you have this attitude. You know when you have an attitude. I know when I have an attitude. I got to check myself. You know, there's been many times I've had to apologize to my older son. You know, like this morning. Um, he's getting ready to go to school. And, you know, I've got this book. I, I want him to read Boundaries. You know, I'm trying to give my son the things that I didn't have. And he's homeschooled. I'm like, dude, we can build our own character development class. You're going to go through this one your mom's making. So, you know, um, he's on his phone a lot in the morning before he goes to school. And he's on Instagram or whatever. And I don't care as long as he's getting things done. So his book was sitting there and he's on his phone. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, what, mom? I'm like, are you reading your book? He's like, yeah, I read it. I was like, okay, because I see you on your phone a lot. And I'm just kind of like stressing out, you know. And I noticed I was being kind of snippety with him. And we were sitting down and we were praying. And I was like, you know, Lord, forgive me for that. And I talked to my son. I said, you know what, son? I was like, I... I don't want to talk to you like that. I said, honestly, I just want to make sure that you, I, I let him know what was going on with me, right? Like my mom's just got a little anxiety, a little fear. I know you're going to be 18 this year. I want to make sure that I'm giving you everything that you possibly need, you know, and I, I just want to know you're using your time wisely. I was like, well, how much, how much are you reading per day? He's like 10 minutes. I was like, okay, son, you need to ramp it up. I'm saying at least 30 minutes a day, you need to be reading this book. And so just communicating, asking questions, not assuming, right? And I do that at times, especially with my older son. And so God is using him, especially right now, to kind of humble me. It's like, Ashley, ask questions. Don't just assume. And, and be vulnerable with him in the way of, like, don't, you know, if, if just tell him what you're concerned about. Don't sit there and just, you know, oh, my gosh, like, freak out like that. But just say, hey, I'm just concerned. I want to make sure that, you know, you, you understand these things. And, you know, that's all it is. And then it was just like, boom, everything's good. You know, so anyway, you guys, just that whole thing with emotional, just hypercritical, demeaning, nasty remarks smart comments. Um, the other thing is sexual abuse can happen. That's the last one from close family members. And when it's confronted, it can be denied. You guys, I know that happens everywhere to children where they're sexually abused by somebody in their family. They tell somebody and the family's like, no, that didn't happen. Or I've, I've read stories where mothers would tell their daughters that, oh, you probably deserved it. I'm like, where is that woman at right now? Like, Lord have mercy on my soul. Like, seriously, how can anybody ever say that to their child? right? Sit there and say, oh yeah, you probably deserved it. No child ever deserves that. And you are sick in the head to ever think that or ever say that to your child. Like seriously, that is jacked up. So, you know, but that happens. Kids get abused sexually by people in their family. Sorry y'all. And I read this one book. It was, oh my gosh, like emotional trauma. That book was almost traumatizing to read because she was sharing stories from clients that she had and the things that they had endured in their home. And I was like, God, Lord, are you Lord, are you kidding me, Lord? This happens to people. People do this to their children. 
uncles, brothers. And, but here's the thing. They all have trauma, too. And that's the sad thing, you guys. There are people out there. Oh, man. It breaks my heart. But it does happen. And there are people out there who deny it. And how do you think that child feels when you they tell you something so huge and you sit there and tell them, no, that didn't happen? You're going to crush that kid, right? Why are you afraid to maybe confront something you've known all along? Right? Maybe there's maybe and maybe it's not even that. Maybe there's other issues in the relationship that need to be dealt with. Some type of physical abuse, uh, some type of just emotional abuse, and this is just icing on the cake. You maybe there was issues you done needed to be dealing with months and months ago, but you're so afraid to do it. Now it's leaking everywhere. It's like clean start dude, start dealing with the issues, right? Don't let it get that far. Right? Especially if you see red flags with somebody, when you start feeling that resentment and that anger and all those things, that's already a red flag telling you, you need to do something. Something needs to be said. You're hiding yourself. You're not being honest. You got to do that. You have a responsibility to yourself and to the people God's entrusted you with. Right? I mean, think about it too. Parents who don't speak up uh, around evil that's happening in their own home. What do you think you're going to teach your children? Your teacher, your children are going to be slaves to people who are going to manipulate, steal, kill, and destroy them because they're not going to have the courage to speak up. So you parents got to be the example to your children of what that's going to look like. So you guys, it looks like this podcast is about to cut off. What I'm going to do really quick is I'm going to go ahead and record another segment because I want to finish this up for you guys. I know it's been pretty long, but uh, I'm going to stop the recording right now. I'm going to record another segment of this, guys, and we're going to finish up the rest of this. So join me right back, you guys. I will be right back. half this episode you guys we'll see how the internet goes so i better do this quickly so you guys we've been talking about the different schemas we left off in the middle of the mistrust schema you guys and we were talking about the how they're formed basically what that is let's talk about what it is again really quick you guys it's when you do not trust the people that are closest to you and that was formed in your previous relationships your bonding relationships you had as a child and when you were either severely abused you know punished or they were emotionally abused you, being hypercritical, demeaning, nasty remarks, or you were sexually abused by those closest to you, and when you tried to tell them, they had denied it. So you really believe that people in your closest relationships cannot be trusted. They're not trustworthy. And that is absolutely, undeniably, duh. No problem. However, uh, what about when you're in a relationship with somebody and they didn't do those things to you, but you're still operating in that mindset, right? That's the thing that we got to pay attention to. Okay. So now you may believe that, oh, and that's the other thing, you know, you may believe in your relationships that they have, uh, you know, false motives against you, right? So you might see them as dangerous. You question their intentions towards you consistently. What about people you don't know? Right? You never met him before, but you question their intentions, you doubt their motives, you com- just judge them as untrustworthy, off the get, never had a relationship with them at all. Okay, And that's understandable, but how do you think, I mean, at the end of the day, what kind of, how can I say this? Do you want to be connected with people? Right? Don't you want to have deep, meaningful relationships? How are we going to create that if we doubt every single person's intentions, don't trust people at all, we're not going to have those things uh, falsely accuse people. You guys, that is extremely exhausting. So let's, uh, let me see here. So how do you deal with that? You guys, 
how do you recover yourself when you have been abused by the people closest to you? And the couple things that she had suggested in the book, Emotional Alchemy, she goes, number one, you have to confront your memories. Number one, she said, you might need to go see a therapist or somebody. Might have to go have have a therapy session. There's no shame in that, you guys. It's super important to get healed, deal with your issues, right? Figure out, like, what is up with this kind of internal storm that you're constantly living in and finding ways to reach out. God says confess your sins to one another, right? God says get those things out. Bring it to the light. Find somebody you can trust. Find somebody, you know, a therapist or a counselor or somebody who, you know, has been where you have and can kind of walk you through that. I mean, there are tons of people out there who've been abused, but have also been redeemed and they're able to share their story and communicate that healing to other people now. So there are people out there, you guys, find them. But this is what she was saying. You have to be able to you know, go back to where the original abuse occurred and you got to be willing to take your emotions out on the people that did that to you that way, right? Direct your anger towards those people, right? And, you know, I think a lot of times when you're, especially when you're a child, if it is the people that are closest to you that hurt you, it's a protection is to go into denial mode, right? They didn't hurt me. It wasn't that bad. Whatever you tell yourself to minimize the pain, that is survival. And when you're in relationships with people like that who hurt you, that is a natural thing, right? So it doesn't get so overwhelming. But what about when you haven't been in those people's lives for that long and you still find yourself living with those emotions inside you or somebody says something that maybe this person said and it sort of triggers that. You got to be able to go back to those emotions that you felt from that original person and just get them out and deal with it. Yeah, I'm angry towards that person. This is what they said. This is what they did. You got to get it off your chest so you can get that out and no longer live your life through that filter. But the anger has to be pointed appropriately, right? You got to know the source of the injury so you don't continue to hurt people that had no part in that thing. So looking at the injury from the people that caused it to learn the, so you can grieve it, number one, get some discernment out of it. What happens? How can you protect yourself from getting back into relationships with people like that again, right? Staying in denial is going to prevent you from seeing what you really need to see with people. If you're denial in one area, you're going to take that same denial filter. You're going to apply it in other relationships. You're going to find yourself getting hurt by people consistently. You're going to be frustrated and you're going to be like, why does it continue to happen? You got to remove the denial from you so you can see clearly, right? So if you were mad at somebody, you know, rightly so, that wounded you when, you know, you were a child or whatever, you got to direct your anger towards that person. You got to acknowledge that anger acknowledge those emotions, you know, and begin to extract the lessons from it that the Lord wants us to learn, right? Uh, how is that person being, right? Why can't you trust them? So that way you can see those character traits coming into the future, right? You can put it in your back pocket. You don't live with it, but you have some wisdom and discernment, right? You have a standard of the type of people you want in your life. You know who you don't want in your life. And now you need to learn who you do want in your life as well. And you need to know how to protect yourself. The only way you're going to be able to do that is to go back to the original event, uh, sort of do uh what do they call that? Uh, an autopsy, I guess. Do an autopsy on the event. What caused the death of the situation? Who did, what happened? Who, what, when, where, why? Break it down, get the lessons out of it and move forward, you guys. So you got to be able to face it, number one. Face the memories face the abuse, express emotions appropriately, and begin to uh, excavate the lessons from that situation, from the right people, right? Your anger has to be directed towards the people that caused it, and so the lessons have to be learned from those types of people, 
not in the people who weren't necessarily involved, right? Not the people that you maybe you're struggling with now that had nothing to do with that event that happened in your childhood. And so how do you know you've made progress is when you no longer put up with abuse in your relationships. You stand up for yourself, okay? You resist attraction to abusers because it's familiar. Sometimes a lot of people, like I said earlier in the podcast, you attract who you are. And I know that's really hard truth, you guys. It was hard for me to swallow because I was like, I had some people in my life that were seriously weighing me down. How did I attract that? That doesn't make any sense. You know, that's super frustrating. Well, um, how did I attract dominating people? I didn't speak up. You know, I just let people say and do whatever. I didn't say what I needed. I didn't communicate. Right. And then I attracted uh, victims in my life because I did everything for them. So I had to make a decision. It is not my responsibility to live someone else's life, you guys. So, you know, when you begin to realize your source of your injuries, take responsibility for them. Take the take the okay. where did this injury occur? What happened in my life? What memories do I have? What do I need to deal with in that memory? What beliefs that formed through that? All that kind of stuff. Excavate the lessons excavate the anger and the rage get it out of you right i mean you're obviously angry and raging for a reason anger has a function but you don't want to live with that your whole life and directed towards the wrong people that had nothing to do with it right you maybe just have a clouded lens right so we got to get our lenses cleansed we got to ask god to give us this perspective that we need and so uh last but not least you guys is the unlovability schema um this one i really didn't kind of unconnect you too much and i was really wasn't sure why Exactly. I mean, you would think through all the stuff I've been through, but this one I don't particularly relate to, but there might be someone else out there that does. And so that's why I want to share it. So basically it's the belief that you are not lovable. You know, maybe I did this in my relationship with God. Um, I did. I definitely did to a point thinking that, okay, if God knows certain things about me, I'm going to feel shame. Uh, I, growing up, we had so much shame in our life anyway. It was almost like, duh, I was doing everything I could to make sure you didn't see it in a way. Like, okay, my parents aren't going to raise worthless kids. So on that level, we had already been experiencing, you know, our, like I said, our parents are alcoholics, they're abusive, you know, they don't have their crap together. That's already humiliating as it is. And, you know, your family's got their opinions about it, rightly so. I mean, obviously, but still, I mean, there is, there is this level of shame that comes with families who have so much just garbage and toxicity and just unhealthy, right? And so, you know, I, but I understood what was going on as a child, you know, because I tried to solve their problems to make myself feel better. So I definitely developed compassion and understanding for my parents. And then I came to a point where I was like, you know what, I'm going to prove to the world that my mom and dad did not raise a worthless child. So I'm going to prove myself and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to redeem them by how I, you know, live my own life, you guys. Yeah, right. But that's, excuse me, that was my mentality. So I didn't really believe that I wasn't lovable kind of from childhood in that way. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I just didn't see it. But uh, definitely spiritually, you know, realizing as I as I grew up that um, maybe I, how can I say this, you guys? I didn't, I didn't realize how much your physical life does impact your spiritual life. And so obviously being that I did see this in my spiritual life, I probably felt it as a child, but I turned that, I turned that off, you know, that would probably be too painful for me to even accept as a kid. So I had all these other issues to deal with anyway. So it's a belief that you're not lovable, you know, again, I, as I said, you know, and how does this form you guys, she was saying it comes from parents who are just super hypercritical, you know, when the real self comes out, uh, they, they'll, they'll insult you. 
right? So no one really gets to know who you truly are because of, you know, the way that your parents dealt with you and your real self came out. Okay. Um, and so I was, you know, I was thinking about that. Um, oh yeah. So what do they do? They withdraw love, they disengage, they criticize, um, what you liked. Um, let me see here versus what they thought you were right. Cause every child, every person that grows up, they develop their own interests, their own things. And a lot of times even parents, uh, because they can maybe misjudge or they don't ask questions. They can say things like, well, what are you doing that for? Just be really critical without asking them the question like, hey, why, why are you interested in that? Or what's up with that? Trying to kind of like engage them in that way. Okay. So, you know, anyway, you can grow up to feel unlovable if, you know, who you truly were started to come out and you were met with withdrawal, disengagement, criticism, and uh, they basically, you know, downplayed what you liked and called it garbage, okay? Uh, you know, maybe they were trying to make you into their image because, you know, you were an extension of their identity. How many parents do that these days, you guys? I mean, seriously, I mean, I, you see it all over, like, TVs and stuff, or even hear about it. My parents, you know, making me do this, and everybody wants me to grow up and be a doctor or be a football player, or, you know, it's like you hear those country songs. Like, I was listening to one the other day, and things like Carrie Underwood one, and the guy was, like, in his mind that he's going to have this child, and he's going to be, like, the football, you know, taking their team to stay, and then she's, then there's a baby wrapped in a pink blanket. His whole plan, his whole, you know, all his plans change. I think, yeah, that Carrie Underwood. But it's just, like, Wow, I cannot believe that there are, for me, I couldn't even, I couldn't fathom, you know, doing that with my children. Um, and I know people do, and I'm not judging them for that. I'm just like, you know, I realized the damage that was done to me uh, by not being able to make my own choices and grow into my own will and into my God-given personhood. I sure the heck don't want to stunt my kids in any type of way. I want to make sure they have the environment they need to grow and mature and make decisions and be confident without, you know, looking to everyone else to tell them what to do, to validate them. Because you guys, I'm learning right now, there are some decisions you have to make in life that only you can make and you cannot rely on the validation of someone else to tell you, period. And so I don't want my children to go through that. I went through that in the church. It almost killed me. You guys, it, it was terrible. I went through that through my whole adult life, pretty much up until like, I'm going to say the last five years. And so, um, you know, I'm pretty sure you guys don't want your kids to go through that either, or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. Um, she was saying also, you know, what are some characteristics that really kind of govern um, kids or people who struggle with unlovability un- schema and it's shame and humiliation right? Lack of self-confidence. Something about them makes them completely unacceptable. And I was just like, wow. Okay. You know, and they can, they can, they would, so you can feel that way. Or she was saying the other extreme of people who grew up with this unlovability pattern in their life is they can be super like in your face arrogant. And I was just like, wow. And you know, I used to hear people say that about certain people, you know, um, they're like, wow, you know, they just don't love themselves. That's why they're so arrogant. And I was just like, what? That doesn't make any sense because you would think that the most arrogant people would love themselves the most. But she was saying that they can become the most defensive in that way because they feel so worthless on the inside. And I was just like, wow. 
you know, and then I, and then if I look back on it and I think about the environment for them and probably how it was growing up, because I know this person's parents, I'm just like, yeah, that probably was really, really rough childhood, you know, so I get it. Um, you know, and I understand parents who came from like broken, broken homes. So now they want to create structure for their kids. They want them to be disciplined. They want them to be this. They want them to be that. But at the same time, we have to make sure that we're not, you know, suffocating our children either. You know, that we are engaging with them in the process of them evolving into adults. And we're not letting our standards or and expectations dictate their lives. So we're actually leaving room for them to grow and figure out who they are, asking them questions like, what do you want to do? What are you excited about? What's, you know, pointing out their character, you know, who they are as a person, not just what they do. We are not a sum of our performance, you guys. If you judge yourselves off of that, you're going to go crazy. All right. So you got to learn to kind of judge yourself off your character. What do you characterize? Who are you characterized by being? And you guys, we're going to break into all of that um, very, very soon with uh, learning how to identify yourself in that way, building up yourself from the inside out. So, how to heal. How do you heal from this unlovability uh, pattern in your mind, right? This, you know, dictated by shame and humiliation and just thinking, gosh, if they really know me, they're not going to love me, right? We talked about shame in the podcast. This, this is a couple things that she said, and I want to share it with you guys from that book. As, again, Emotional Alchemy. You guys check it out. Um, Tara Bennett T. Goldman. I don't know how to pronounce your last name, you guys. Um, yeah, emotional alchemy, how the mind can heal the heart. So very interesting stuff, you guys. Anyway, so how to heal. Number one, challenge the thoughts that come into your mind that validate that crippling belief, right? So when you have a thought come into your mind, because here's the thing, there's always going to be something on the outside that's going to trigger a response on the inside. And you guys, we're going to be getting into self-awareness and perception um, either the end of this week or next week in the podcast, but you know, something's going to trigger that something's going to happen on the outside and you're going to, you're going to think about it on the inside, right? You're going to, one thing will happen here and then your mind's going to respond to it. So all right, when someone says something to you or whatever, challenge that thought, take a step back and ask yourself, okay, who told you that? Like, what does this mean? Am I able to challenge this belief that I have? Um, is it true? You know, is it true in the context of the moment? Is this more or less just related to something that's happened in the past and I'm just afraid it's going to happen again here? Are you being honest about how you feel, especially in those relationships that you question that are not the source of the injury, if that makes any sense? you got to be willing to go there, right? Um, so challenge the thoughts that come into your mind that validate that crippling belief. And this is where the Holy Spirit is so amazing because you can ask a question and then something will pop into your mind. And you're just like, wow, I never thought about it like that, Lord. Like, thank you for that. And you know it's the Holy Spirit when the liberation's coming, the burden's falling off. You know, you're you're just like, wow, this is awesome. You got joy. You got peace. You feel like you got room to breathe. You got that freedom feeling. You're looking, you know, just you're, you're just like looking forward, right? And so God will do that for us. But you got to be willing to ask the question. So if you don't know how to challenge your thoughts, ask God. If you're feeling worthless for a moment because someone says something, just take a step back and say, wait a second, why am I feeling this way? What am I believing? What provoked this? What what information am I using to come to that conclusion? And what am I not? What don't I have? Right? A lot of times it's what we don't know that trips us up, right? If you don't ask the question, what did you mean by that? 
you'll let your own assumptions run wild and you will go crazy. So challenge it. Number two. Oh, number one and number two. I don't know if it's two or three. It doesn't matter, I guess. Learn to be confident in yourself by establishing your identity on your character, you guys. And that's the other thing. You cannot look for your I'm lovable because so-and-so said so. It's like, you know what? I'm here for a purpose. I'm defined by God's grace. People don't know. People are not all-knowing judges. They don't understand what shaped and formed me. I barely even understand it. You guys, come on. Think about that. Think about all the things you've been through and why you do what you do. And you had no idea, this, you know, on the subconscious level, what was really driving your behavior, right? The beliefs that you formed as a child. You didn't know how much they were impacting your life. You had no idea. I didn't know that either, you guys. And so it's just understanding that what you don't know is just as much as... And in, or just as much as an influence as what you do know, you know, and just realize that people don't know everything about you. You can't make them your judge. They're not all knowing like God is get underneath his grace, uh, figure out the, the character that you possess, right? Look for your good traits in yourself. That's going to be really, really important. Um, you know, um, uh, is it true or are you in the process? Uh, hold on. Yeah. So challenge your thoughts. Oh, let me go back to that really, really quick. Back to the challenge your thoughts, you guys. I'm losing myself here. Sorry about that. So, um, hold on. Uh, challenge the thoughts or criteria you had against your current relationships. That's going to go back up to uh, when she says challenge your thoughts, right? You need to take that thought that you're having that says you're worthless. That's based upon a circumstance that you're filtering it through. And then just go a little bit deeper. And um, is it is take that thought and then put it against the criteria of your current relationship. Okay. Is it true or are you processing information from a childhood filter? Right. And I did talk about that, I suppose. Okay. Um, and then establishing your character, uh, sit down and ask yourself who you are. And we're going to be talking about that in another podcast, you guys. And so I'm not going to get into that right now, but identify your life based on your character. Okay. And, and also you guys, here's the thing, as you are unraveling yourself in this way, it is not an easy thing. It's very painful. But remember two, remember two things. God gives grace to the humble and to be compassionate with yourself, okay? As you realize these truths about yourself, okay? It takes so much courage to change yourself in this way, all right? So give yourself the grace to do that, you guys. I'm going to see if I can find a quote really, really quick from, uh, what was that book? The Gifts of Imperfection. Have you guys read that book yet? I highly recommend it. She has a fantastic definition of what compassion means. And I want to see if I can share it with you guys really, really quick. I actually meant to look this up this morning, but God knows that I forgot. Um, bam, I found it. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, check this out with compassion. I think this is really vital because it says God is the God of all compassion. Uh, God of all mercies and comfort. He has compassion for us. And so I love her definition of compassion in here because it gives some real context and it gives kind of more perspective of God's heart towards us. Like if you, if you apply through that filter, you guys, so check this out. So in her book, the places that scared you, scare you, Chodron, she's a Buddhist nun, Pima Chodron, P-E-M-A, C-H-O-D-R-O-N. I guess she's got a, a lot of really amazing insight, you guys. I'm actually going to be reading one of her books called uh, 
certainty and uncertainty or something like that. God really challenged my relationship with uncertainty this weekend. I'll have to share that revelation with you guys sometime. But anyways, she's a Buddhist nun. She's got some really good perspective on this, guys. I'm going to be checking out her book. So anyway, The Places That Scare You, that's the book. Uh, Cho Drawn writes, When we practice generating compassion, we can expect to experience the fear of our pain. Compassion practice is daring. It involves learning to relax and allow ourselves to move gently toward what scares us. Isn't that scary to face yourself in this way, you guys? It is scary, but this takes so much courage, and you are going to be so glad you did because you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have the grace to do it, you guys. God is going to be with you every step of the way. So the word compassion is derived from the Latin words patty and cum, meaning to suffer with right compassion to suffer with can you suffer with yourself in this way as you realize all the pain and all the shame and all these things we talk about are unraveling inside of you and you have a choice am I going to face it with grace am I going to face it with courage am I going to face it with compassion for myself right and with the compassion of the Lord so she goes I don't believe that compassion is our default response I think our first response to pain ours or someone else's is to self-protect We protect ourselves by looking for someone or something to blame. Or sometimes we shield ourselves by turning to judgment or by immediately going into fix-it mode. Lord, have mercy. You called me out on the carpet, Lord. That is totally what my mode is. I will go to judgment or fix-it mode. And uh, God has shown me, nope, no more Ashley. No more of that. That's going to steal, kill, and destroy you. You don't, that's not your place to judge, Ashley. Okay, Lord, I hear what you're saying. All right, so... She goes, so in this book, Chodron, I can't pronounce her last name, you guys. She's that Buddhist nun chick that's got tons of insight. It goes, so she's re- she's rehearsing back to the book. It says, in cultivating compassion, we draw from the wholeness of our experience, our suffering, our empathy, as well as our cruelty and terror. It has to be this way. Compassion is not a relationship between the healer and the wounded. It is a relationship between equals. Only when we know our own darkness, we can, well, okay, excuse me, guys. Only when we know our own darkness well, can we be present with the darkness of others. Compassion becomes real when we recognize our shared humanity. And what type of compassion did Jesus have with us, you guys? Oh, my gosh. His emotional compassion. God felt everything we felt. He's felt betrayal. He's felt fear. He's felt the temptation to say, Lord, pass this cup for me. I don't want to feel this. That is how the Lord relates to us. That's why you can't look at sin as this final outcome, right? It's this emotional state we can find ourselves in that leads us to do things that we would call sin, right? But the Lord felt everything that we felt and he did not sin. This is exactly why we got to learn to know our emotions, what their function is, and get them underneath God's grace that surpasses knowledge. Get them underneath uh, God's leadership. Submit to him, right? Submit our emotions to him in the way of, okay, Lord, I'm feeling this way. I kind of want to like act out on this, but give me the truth, Lord. Help me understand what's really going on here. Help me to know what I don't know so I don't just make this crazy decision, you know, and ask questions, you guys. Don't be afraid to approach God this way. He goes, we can approach him with freedom and confidence. That is what happens when you have the Holy Spirit. That is what happens when you realize that you have to be able to face yourself with this type of compassion, your, you know, your darkness and your light, right? Those, the darkness, meaning all those dark emotions, the shame, the blame, 
the condemnation, the fear, the anxiety, the doubt. Yet God effaced your whole self, and God's grace is the antidote for that. His spirit is the how would you say that? God's grace mixes it in, right? He he's like the it's the neutralizer, but then God's spirit is just sort of like the he cuts the chains, right? He's the freedom finder. I mean, I don't know how else to put it, you guys, but you know this the the spirit helps us understand these things and just expands us and heals us and encourages us and, and restores us, right? And so God, God's grace gives us the ability to deal with that and His Spirit gives us the ability to grow and expand and reach our potential because God gives us thoughts that are not our thoughts, right? Isn't that amazing? That's where revelation comes from, you guys. So I'm going to get off here today. Thank you guys for listening to this extremely long podcast. Um, but those are the, the main schemas there. I'm going to be going over... That's right. There's more. There's more, you guys. Um, so these next couple days, we're going to be going over these other schemas that she talks about that are f- formed not in not so much direct relationship in your personal relationships, like your mom and your dad, but socially, right? And I was like, wow, that's so good. I want to share all this with you guys because it's really kind of expounding upon the things that I've already learned. It's adding to it. And I feel like I wanted to add it into this life coaching course because as we go through it more, I guess it'll make more sense if that, if that makes any sense. So I love you guys. I'm going to get off here. It's already 925 in the morning. I got to start school with my kiddos in five minutes. I got to go, I got to go make sure the chickens got fed, honestly. So I love you guys. Thanks for being on here today. Um, I hope this, I hope this encouraged and inspired you guys. Check out Food for Thought Friday on my page on Facebook, Daily Encouragement with Ashley Campbell. You can go on YouTube, Daily Encouragement, where my husband Scott and I go live. Be sure to subscribe. Use your Gmail account. Hit the notification bell two times so when we go live, you guys can join us on there. We can have a conversation. Um, and what else do we got? Um, Instagram daily, no daily encouragement underscore Ashley. You can find me on there. Um, so yeah, you guys, let's connect on there. Uh, thank you for sharing and subscribing to this podcast. I pray you guys continue to do that. That's really gonna help out the algorithm. I want other people to be exposed to this information. Um, it really changed my life, and I pray to God it changes many, many, many more. So I love you guys. Thank you for all your support. Have a wonderful rest of the day, and I will see you guys next time.